Hello everybody, welcome to the fourth episode of the podcast She at Work. Today we will be speaking to my dear friend Bashak Jandemir. Hello Bashak. Hi Betta, thanks for inviting. Welcome here. So with you, we're going to take a bit of a different path compared to the previous episodes. Um, in the previous episodes, we looked at uh, somehow uh, stories unfolding, uh, visions becoming reality, passions that were clear somehow that the on- at the onset that then developed and became clearer and materialized. But actually, uh, that is not always the case. Uh, we don't always have a clear passion that actually drives uh, um, consciously or subconsciously uh, our actions. And yet, uh, no matter what, you find meaning in what you do. You find different ways of engaging with uh, with your activities and with your career. And it's maybe more driven by curiosity, more driven by the desire to explore, but you can't really call it a passion. And, um, and this, if you want, um, uh, lack of direction may become a direction in, in itself because it puts you in, uh, in different places, it makes you uh, take different choices and it makes you evolve in your own way. So I think your story, your uh, path is very interesting because it's a very uh, diverse path. It's a path in which a lot of different things happened. Um, do you agree, Bashak, before we start with the actual... <laughs> yes, I would say indeed uh, it has taken some interesting turns. So for instance, I would like to start with uh, with your background. It's a very unusual one. So you start with a degree in uh, one of the hardest hard sciences, chemistry, and then you move into something uh, completely different. You start, uh, you move into uh, science and technology studies. Uh, so social sciences, a very different type of uh, uh, way of looking at things. Uh, what's behind that? So what led me so, to chemistry was the complex uh, system of the Turkish National Entrance Examination System uh, and just simply because I didn't want to uh, memorize historical agreements I ended up uh, choosing making choices around natural sciences and uh, in somehow of a limited lottery I ended up in chemistry department um, but soon after I got into chemistry perhaps it was less than a year Uh, that I was into chemistry, I realized that that's not where my strength is. And at that time, chemistry was not that interesting, I think. So I started taking some social science courses. And uh, by the time I was finishing chemistry, I thought, well, I should switch to social sciences. But how do I do that with a not so brilliant chemistry uh, GPA? which is uh, where, and I re- knew that I wanted to go abroad, so that's how I ended up finding a master's program on science, society and technology in the Netherlands, uh, which eventually turned out to be a very uh, uh, good program for me, because by the time I was finishing my master's, uh, I actually started getting very interested in science policy and I saw there were so many papers I was reading from this institution called SPRU, Science and Technology Policy Research Unit at University of Sussex. So I said, okay, uh, I like this and I want to do a PhD there and that's how I ended up in SPRU and that's uh, where we met. That's indeed where we met and it was a a great place to meet and uh, great people to meet too. So, yeah, what do you move things forward? What happens after you finish your PhD, you start your career? And even actually, whilst you do your PhD, uh, what do you 
uh, keep from your hard sciences day, from your chemistry days? How how do the the you know the two elements in your education uh, merge and converge? I think uh, I wouldn't be lying if I told you that I don't remember a whole lot of facts from chemistry or how to do things. But what uh, what got uh, I think um, installed in me is a way of thinking more analytically uh, and systematically. And I think that really helped me uh, in social sciences uh, in the sense that uh, you read a whole body of literature, research, and it's a lot of words and sometimes uh, that chemistry uh, background, I think, helped me in stepping out of it a little bit and uh, looking at the picture in a more systematic way. Of course, it was, you know, it also had the disadvantage that I didn't, I, I, I tried to write everything in a very factful uh, manner from chemistry, uh, more exact sciences, uh, which uh, was challenged by my supervisor on whether I had enough evidence. So yeah, it had, uh, it had pros and cons uh, coming from chemistry. Okay, so you jump from um, chemistry, then you go to social sciences, and then like there's a path that starts emerging. You stay in the field of uh, uh, research policy, let's say, or in the area of research diplomacy. Uh, what happens after your PhD? You decide not to stay in academia. What do you do? Uh, that's true, because I think I am not... Um... I'm, I'm not uh, willing to specialize in one specific area as an academic and I didn't have the discipline to do it, but the world of research uh, intrigued me and still does. And so I wanted to stay uh, in, the, in the world of research, uh, not necessarily being, as a, uh, being a researcher. So I went back to Turkey and at the time um, I applied for two jobs. One was still an academic job uh, at a a management department and the other was a job at the UK consulate uh, in looking at the UK Science and Innovation Network. And for some reason, I think part of it caused by uh, my uh, more depreciated self-confidence after the PhD uh, and my interest uh, to the UK, I love being in the UK and the UK, the world of research in the UK. I eventually decided to go with uh, with the job uh, at the UK Science and Innovation Network, which I think was uh, one of the best choices I made at the time. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think. And why? Because it it gave me a whole different view uh, on how research works. So it is one thing to study research policy, read papers, and uh, try to make judgment calls, assessments. And it's another thing to work with uh, actual policymakers or to meet ministers who and understand how things are shaped up, how they're influenced in certain ways. And I think I just had a glimpse of it in a way. Uh, I cannot say I'm an expert on that, but it gave me a very nice view in understanding how the government works in the whole system of science and technology policy. I, I think in that your um, your experience is similar to mine. I mean, I I did your PhD um, partly in uh, in your same institution, and then I I, I also considered a, um, an academic career. But then 
life situations, opportunities arose and drove me into uh, public policy. And I was exactly in the field of research and innovation. And I also think that like, no matter how good your PhD was, no matter how brilliant your training, and I think we were privileged in our, in our training, there's this jump from uh, research to reality, which I think is very beneficial. So it's good to get into uh, this type of jobs having a strong analytical background, but at the same time, I think it's uh, good for the analytical output to have an experience of uh, how actual, actually policy works. I think it's very, I think it's very enriching. Yes, I would say so too. And it gives you a, a human perspective because, uh, and this is something that I, um, I uh, agree much more now or find it every day in my job is that uh, doing an analysis is one thing, doing an analysis and putting into the context and understanding where the questions are coming from, what are the reasons deriving behind certain questions, that, that's a human, uh, human element in it. Yeah, and I think the ability to ask uh, questions, which I mean, is certainly is fundamental in research, but it, it's it's fundamental in in so many things. And if you're exposed to different uh, uh, parts of the same system, in this case, we're talking about the research and innovation system, your ability to ask questions increases because then you see the human element, you see what it means actually. Uh, yes, in theory, that was very good, and that should have been like that. But there is that bottleneck, which uh, is called um, whatever, uh, Wendelin, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, and so your, uh, the whole system you have created is actually is very sensible. Uh, in this context, cannot work because that person is difficult. Yeah. Um, or because actually, uh, you know, in that country, they don't have a very good internet connection. So things will take uh, a lot of time because you can't Skype or, or, or something else. Or simply there are elections uh, and so, I'm sorry, there, no decision will be taken until uh, until we know who wins the election. And I think, uh, yeah, and I think all of that um, makes uh, um, uh, it's it's hard to grasp uh, exclusively uh, within the scientific world. But at the same time, it's uh, it makes the scientific work a lot more, more interesting if you come with that background. And conversely, it makes your scientific background very useful for me when when people. Uh, question whether uh, a PhD helps you in the real world, I, I, I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm still a bit surprised that this question even <laughs> gets raised because uh, of course it does. I mean, I, I, I actually uh, associate a lot of like, uh, uh, you know, wh- what I think is uh, my good results in my, uh, in my jobs to an analytical mind and to, yeah, to the ability um, of asking questions and, and actually uh, to the ability of understanding uh, when an answer is satisfactory. I mean, we that was the question. This is what we know. I think we've answered it. And and I think that process. Uh, okay, you can be you can be in a you know in a city council. You can be in an international organization. You can be in a private firm. But that process that process is very scientific. Yeah, uh, I I completely agree with you that. Uh... And I think what uh, then what I would like. To ask is, uh, where did you take that process, that ability to ask questions? Because that what well, you moved into uh, actually actual research policy and research dip- diplomacy in Turkey, and you had this mindset. What did you do with it? And then, where did you move next? And what did you do with that mindset? <laughs> well, 
I think the next move was again uh, not a very planned move. It was more uh, that I loved what I did. Uh, I really did. Uh, but then there was also realities of life. I was still living with my parents past the age of 30 and it's not a, a very pleasant thing to do, especially after you've been living alone for a long time. And a friend of mine from university uh, told me about this uh, job at Elsevier, which was uh, being a customer consultant uh, for what they what we refer to as core content products, uh, such as Science Direct and Scopus. Uh, within, within the sales organization and I uh, I very much uh, well the idea actually scared me uh, moving into the corporate sector scared me uh, but I did it uh, I took a leap of faith and uh, eventually it helped me to move out of my parents place which I think was one of the most important missions I had at the time and I think um there's not really a uh, big parallel necessarily between working with ministers versus working with uh, uh, libraries or research managers. But what you learn is uh, the same human element is when you're working uh, with the customers, uh, you're trying to understand uh, why, what do they need? Uh, what, uh, why are they interested in certain things? And uh, if you understand them well, I think that's one of the things I learned in the science diplomacy part is, uh, well, negotiating, communicating, or let's say I developed them more. I could then apply to this uh, new role as well. Um, so it was it was a bit of a continuum, I guess, in, in a different application sphere. So in a sense, I, I may say, I mean, I'll be... Uh, uh, we started off this podcast saying, well, sometimes uh, you don't have a clear passion and, and decisions can get taken by actually uh, practical matters, which are really important, you know, like, uh, you know, you, you, a need for independence or a need for wanting to upgrade one's economic situation. But at the same time, uh, I think there is a pattern which is emerging, which is, you know, this uh, desire to uh, understand people uh, systematically in order to serve whatever your, uh, um, uh, whatever your, uh, obligation responsibility is at the moment so you want to uh, you want to understand who you have in front be it uh, the ministry be it uh, the data from your work from your uh, scientific work or being your clients the libraries and I, I I don't know may I ask is that like is that something that you find interesting no matter where uh, yes I would say helping people and uh, being able to help uh, solve people's problems or uh, help them develop answers is something that I enjoy and I feel very satisfied after that and uh, I find it uh, a privilege to be in the research world because um, um, at least I can think perhaps I can add a tiny tiny bit of salt to the uh, to the soup as well. I don't know if that's even a phrase in English but uh, just make a tiny contribution oh, yeah we uh, helping helping others. So yes, I I very much enjoy uh, uh, working with people uh, to to help them answer certain things. And as you moved from research diplomacy to business development, so business development was the you said you were pretty scared into uh, when when making uh, this choice. What was scaring you? Uh, 
And how did you become well, less scared? A number of things. First of all, I I was in the world of research, uh, um, and then that you know research is considered as a very uh, by, by at least some as a uh, more um, how would you say it uh, utopic or clean or moral ethical intellectual sphere. Uh, there's a big big uh, there are big tags associated with it, and then. Here I was uh, thinking of moving into corporate space and into a sales department, and uh, and the the whole aspect of was I selling myself for money? Uh, was I um, oh. uh, was I uh, de- going to be less uh, worthy? Was I going to be less intellectual? There were all these concerns uh, about a, a stigma. Exactly. I would say even. So it's it's this existential yeah, crisis, yeah. especially if you switch and and then you think, okay, I did a PhD and did I do the PhD for this? It's it's a lot of uh, yeah, probably stigma is a very good uh, way to describe it. Yeah, uh, but then. Uh... I mean, based on what you've just said, that was also a satisfying experience, this business development. It was also an engaging one. So uh, may I ask, maybe deconstruct a bit uh, this stigma. I think we can all, I mean, we, we can all understand where it comes from. You know, it just, uh, oh, uh, what a horrible thing, uh, sales, <laughs> money, compared to the purity of knowledge, which uh, uh, it's, it's a huge stereotype, but it's a stereotype that, okay, it, it is a stereotype, it's not something that... Uh, It's not a, a, isn't, it, it is a stereotype, so no one would take it too seriously, but at the same time, it's still there, you know. I think uh, anyone who spent enough time in science uh, would have some, um, yeah, some, some reminiscent of that feeling that somehow maybe, maybe it's a yes. bit impure <laughs> to go into, <laughs> into businesses. But then uh, the truth is, it isn't. I think it, the truth is, it's actually another engaging Uh, human activity. In fact, if we didn't trade <laughs> since the beginning of history, yeah, we wouldn't have science no, either, mean, you know. <laughs> and, and actually, sorry, I was just yeah. going to say, I think it's a matter of how, how you do it as well. And I think one thing I can mm-hmm. look back uh, and be very proud of is uh, I, I think I've done my job well. Uh, I think I, and luckily I was in post sales, so I wasn't actually selling things, but I was helping people to learn what they've already purchased. Uh, how to use it to solve it and it is I think very nice when you when someone comes to you after a training or you show them and they give you a genuine thank you and then I can feel proud of what I've done even if there was a cost element associated to it because I know I did I did justice to what was required and I didn't you know or It's not about taking money and sitting on it. It's working hard to do uh, to 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 do justice to that. Yeah, I might say like uh, it's about exchanging yes. value, and these are uh, you know very complex products that are being uh, um, exchanged, and 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 it requires a lot of effort to actually build value, give value, also uh, from the demand perspective actually uh, be able to absorb that values we're, we're talking about a very sophisticated uh, a, a, a complex uh, business uh, so uh, how you know for instance if a phd student recent graduate came to you uh, with this uh, fear of stigma what would you tell him uh, because he or she was considering 
a move into the corporate world? Um, I would always say try it. Uh, that's I think that is an approach I would... I, that there were friends who changed sectors um, and had similar concerns. Change, I would say try it. About A, because you might like it and you might see a different world and you might enjoy it. And B, if you don't like it, you can go back. Uh, because we think that if we switch, we can never go back, which is hardly the reality. And at least you have tried and you have seen you don't like it and you're not going to regret or say what if. And you might also end up liking it and see that it's a fit and can open new doors and new paths as well. So um, I would always favor uh, uh, a change. Uh, yeah. And if you go back, you go back with a very important experience um, that yeah that can actually enhance also any analytical work which takes me to the next career move of yours okay you've learned a lot from the business development element but then the analytical itch was still there yes, wasn't so it when i first joined azavir uh, actually just even before i joined when i was at the science and innovation network there was a nice report about the uk research landscape and i learned it was done by this team called analytical services within azavir and I thought, ah, interesting, I would like to work for that team uh, one day. And um, the customer consultant job, it was very nice, but also it became uh, relatively repetitive. And after a while, I wasn't challenged, I felt I wasn't challenged enough. Um, and this is usually a sign of saying, okay, maybe you're stalling and maybe you need to do something. Uh, more interesting. So it was also, it coincided at a time when um, there was a turmoil in my home country in Turkey and I was looking to um, to uh, get some uh, fresh air, let's say, by moving abroad for a while. Um, at least then, at the same time, there was this opportunity at, uh, at Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's Services and I, I, I was very happy that uh, this opportunity after two and a half years uh, was emerging and um, I, I'm yeah I applied for it and um, I started working there um, uh, about three years ago and moved to Amsterdam of course and so how does that uh, you get back into this analytic role how does all your experience uh, fits together I, again I, I into this new role it fits quite well actually um i i am not the most uh, sophisticated analyst in terms of let's say uh um writing algorithms or doing complex statistical analysis or uh, I, I, my my forte is not uh the technical part of analysis but uh, bringing i think the story uh, to the numbers and to the analysis, uh, being able to ask questions, being able, able being interested in why certain trends are the way they are, and also understanding uh, even before we start a project, why why are people interested in getting this study done? Uh, is what was yeah. So the client perspective, yeah, understanding, um, yeah. So no, no questions for the sake of questions, but really understanding the value that these people need added yes, I mean, to their business. Two ways you can take a specification document and say we can do this, we cannot do this, and 
get on with it. Or you might try to understand why are these questions asked. Uh, sometimes you might even go back and say you might want to consider another perspective. And um, I, I think that's a part of the process. Uh, the, the, the two things that I really like in a project are the pre-project and the post uh, towards the end of it, because that's where you have the most conversation with your clients and understanding what they want and then consequently understanding if this is answering uh, if what you're doing is answering or help getting their help in understanding on covering some of the trends wow and that's a very satisfying process um, definitely right we've been talking already um 25 minutes so i i think well just to i want to ask uh, one final one final question and i think um although it has already emerged no uh, i would say um one element that that comes across is this importance of asking questions so making sure it's very socratic um and also like uh, engaging with someone else's needs but then also this uh, you know need for change and for development and feeling like okay i've learned this uh, be open to the next Um, would you recognize in yourself in this uh, with these three elements? Um, yes. Your story. Um, and asking yes. questions uh, is something that I've been uh, annoyingly doing since I was a, a small child. Uh, if I listen to my parents, uh, helping others uh, in one way or another uh, is very satisfying. And indeed, I find change and challenge is very... Um, It's very refreshing. It helps you develop, not necessarily for career advancement and to go up in the ranks, but to develop as a person and be interested and keep things interesting, basically. Uh, I don't have a very specific passion, but uh, I, I, I get engaged uh, when I get challenged. And that, that that was my point. I mean, at some point, no. you don't really need a passion. You know, like, you know, there are things that are just, uh, that was my, that, that are just transversal. And uh, and if you understand what it's, in, in a sense, that's your passion. It's a, you know, it's a transversal passion. As long as you know you're doing that, you're, you're learning, you're engaging with people, you are, you know, satisfying their needs in a way that actually is meaningful for your uh, development path, then that can be in itself a passion but uh, but basically that's a key to to being happy in your job yes whatever I mean, if you that is. this is something you go to every day or spend five days a week uh, i think it is quite important that you find it interesting in one way or another whether it is being challenged whether it's your childhood passion or something else um, otherwise it would be it would be or whether it helps you um, do things outside work uh, that you want to do Yeah, I mean it's a it's it's a long it's a long time uh, that of our life that is spent uh, it's spent working. So we might as well make uh, good use uh, good use of that time. And I guess investing in uh, uh, knowing your the reasons why you are uh, doing a certain things is very useful. I think it gives you a lot of peace of mind and also a lot of energy yes, to I, I, to I keep going. I think that's a very good summary of it. And. Um, All right, that I, I don't have any more more questions for you and I don't want to waste any of your time any uh, anymore. Let, 
but uh, first of all I want to thank you and also I want to summarize uh, I, I've taken this habit in this uh, podcast um, summarize the three take home messages for me what I what I what I think is the most important thing of our conversation. Well, first, I've already said it, you, you don't need a passion. I mean, relax. If you don't have a passion, <laughs> because there is this pressure or having a, a passion, don't worry, you'll be fine. You know, just understand what makes you happy and uh, and build on that and, and maybe trust your gut. You know, if you're getting bored, okay, try to understand why you're getting bored. Or if you find something interesting, try to understand why you find it interesting. And then another thing, um, that I found uh, important is actually engaging with your stigma. Okay, you are uh, offered an opportunity to make a move that actually you weren't expecting and you weren't considering and that it carries a lot of, uh, you know, emotions attached to it. Uh, Well, um, actually, uh, if that happens, uh, take a step back and uh, and actually look at the thing with with clear eyes, understand that this is a stigma and that uh, actually there are maybe, there are probably lots of opportunities in there uh, certainly opportunities to explore and to learn and maybe hey, you don't like it you go back and i, I really like that point and then uh, actually um the realism in which you have actually talked about your story uh, life puts its own challenges you know first of all we're still in the middle of the uh, covid lockdown and none of us would imagine that at christmas uh, a lot of decisions uh, that maybe we imagined uh, cannot be taken because life has changed and the same uh, so uh, life brings its life makes you take certain decisions regardless of what your your plans when were and i think there's a lot of uh, uh, maturity in uh, going along with them so okay life's hard in turkey right now let's move on that's that's the right thing to do and and, and let's see what what life what life brings um so i, I don't no, know if I you have any comment on that that is a nice and thank you for inviting and giving me the opportunity to have a very nice and interesting chat with you as usual. Thank you, Vashak. It was uh, my pleasure. And uh, if anyone's listening, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.